This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 86 of the Catholic Foodie, Chicken Boudin Sushi at the Beach. That's right, folks. Welcome to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and I'm coming at you from the beach today. That's right. We're in Perdido Key, Florida, living it up. So we are going to talk beach food and Labor Day today, uh, kind of a bit. We've got some other stuff we're going to talk about, too. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the book of Genesis. Isn't that exciting? So I hope you stick around. Uh, You don't want to miss our new aperitif segment with Sarah Vabulous, the Catholic drinky. She's going to wax eloquently about some really delicious stuff. Sarah Reinhardt brings us Mary in the Kitchen on the first day of kindergarten. So stick around right here, the Catholic foodie, where food meets faith. Well, I tell you what, we are coming to you live today from the beach, Perdido Key, Florida. And, you know, I'm actually, this is, this is weird. I brought all my equipment here and uh, set it up. I'm, at, I'm sitting at the counter uh, in the kitchen, <laughs> which is oddly enough very appropriate. But, you know, I've got like a live audience here who's they're kind of a captive audience. It's my, uh, my wife's mom and dad, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. They are here uh, cooking and, and hanging out, and they've got me to entertain them. Kind of crazy. Uh, the rest of the family down at the beach, they're having a good time. The kids are playing and and having fun. No, we have not seen any oil, if that's what you're asking. No oil in the Gulf of Mexico that we've seen. Uh, it's been really nice. Weather's been great. So we're going to talk about uh, the beach today and kind of what's gone on since uh, since we got here. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that we're going to talk about... Um, and we're going to talk about Labor Day and, and beach food. You know, I don't know. I guess it is beach food. But this is stuff that you can prepare right there at home. And not only that, but we're going to talk about jambalaya. Remember I told you last week I was going to give you the recipe, my recipe for jambalaya, and never got to it? We're running too long. Well, you get it today. And I'm also going to share with you seven inspirational quotes from famous foodies. And first, we have, of course, we have to start with our prayer. Jesus, in Luke's gospel, you tell us that we cannot put anything or anyone ahead of you, not money or possessions, not husband, wife, children, or parents. We cannot put our stomachs nor our gifts, the gifts that you give us, ahead of you. Jesus, as we join together to enjoy this meal, grant us the grace to remember and to live this truth. Grant us the grace to make you number one in our lives and to love you above all things and to love our neighbor as ourselves, especially those who are closest to us, those we know the best and who are sometimes the hardest to love. Jesus, you are our all in all. You are everything. Bless us, Lord, and these gifts that have come to us by your hand. Amen. I don't really drink, you know. Of course you don't. I wouldn't either if I was drinking that. But you would have to be an idiot of elephantine proportions not to appreciate this 61 Chateau Latour. And you, Monsieur Linguini, are no idiot. (laughs) Let us toast your non-idiocy. This is Sarah, and I am the 
Catholic Drinky. I run uh, a blog called CatholicDrinky.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Catholic Drinky. Um, I'm excited to be here. This is my first official week being a part of the Catholic Foodie Podcast. And I thank Jeff very much for inviting me um, to be hopefully what will become a weekly part of his podcast. Um, so let's hope that I do a good job today and he will invite me back. Um, I have enjoyed calling in the last for a couple times over the last couple weeks. Uh, and so that's just been a total blast. This is my first foray into podcasting. So um, forgive me if um, I ramble. I'm, I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm new at all this. Um, but today, Jeff invited me on to speak about one of my favorite drinks, um, which is Firefly Vodka. If you haven't heard of Firefly, it is a um, southern vodka um, distilled over in Charleston, South Carolina. It is a sweet tea vodka. Um, that's right, sweet tea, you know, that southern delicious beverage mixed with vodka. You, you know, you might not think that that would be very good, but let me tell you, it's one of my favorite things. Um, it, Firefly was introduced in April of 2008. And um, as soon as I heard about it, I um, had to hunt it down and find it, of course. Um, I'm an avid sweet tea drinker, and so what, what uh, could be better than vodka and sweet tea put together? Um, and since then, Firefly has come out with um, different flavors, including peach, raspberry, mint, and lemon. Um, also, this year, they introduced a sweet tea bourbon. Um, I don't even like bourbon, but I um, absolutely love this drink. It's um, great just on the rocks. Um, you know, you can add a little water to cut it if you want, but um, I, I love it just on the rocks. Um, there's lots of different things you can do with Firefly. Um, you can drink it on the rocks um, with a little bit of water, you know, half water, half half Firefly, um, or you can mix it with some lemonade, which is my favorite way to drink it, um, like an Arnold Palmer. Um, you know, he used to drink half sweet tea, half lemonade drinks, and so you can make a adult version of that using Firefly. Um, but the sky's the limit. Uh, I've enjoyed experimenting, trying new things, making um, firefly daiquiris, taking some lemonade frozen concentrate, um, putting it in a blender with some ice um, and a little bit of um, water or lemonade and um, putting the firefly in and just, you know, using that blender and just make a, you know, a different kind of margarita daiquiri style drink, take it out to the pool and just enjoy a nice summer day, summer afternoon. Um, but I blogged about Firefly on um, the, on Friday the 3rd, and so if you haven't uh, checked out my blog, you can go see um, my whole blog on Firefly over there. Uh, and I will just discuss a little bit of what I talked about. In May, I was able to go in, to a dinner with the owner and founder of Firefly, Jim Irvin, and it was such a pleasure to meet him and just talk to him about why he started it and um, and how he was inspired, um, and just get to know, you know, the man behind something that I enjoy drinking. I, you know, as many of you may know, I love beer a lot. I drink a lot of beer, and so I've been able to, um, since I've been plugged into the beer community here in Atlanta, Georgia, meet a lot of brewers that come to town for various beer events and things, um, and so uh, any opportunity I have to meet someone who, you know, is the brainchild behind something so delicious. I'm going to jump at the opportunity. It was at um, a really nice Southern Fusion restaurant um, in Atlanta, and it was a four-course meal with um, actually six courses of drinks. Um, and so it was absolutely just um, a great experience. Um, 
if the menu and everything is listed on my website. Um, but I, I must admit, um, my favorite drink that we had all night um, was actually uh, the bourbon on the rocks. That was really nice. Um, or the Firefly Lemon um, with a little bit of ginger ale. I hadn't thought about mixing Firefly with ginger ale. Uh, and gosh, I think that was probably the most popular drink of the whole night um, with everyone who was there. I think there were about 40 of us there. Um, I went with um, five of my friends and just had a total blast with them. Um, just trying all sorts of nice southern food with paired with different flavors of Firefly drinks that um, they had all come up with. They had all created, um, you know, mixtures of Firefly with, you know, a soda or um, just other other things. And so it was just uh, a lot of fun. Uh, if you ever have a chance to go to a beer dinner or a wine dinner or, you know, a liquor dinner where they pair the food with a certain drink, I definitely recommend it. It's an, an experience that um, really, unless you are uh, working for the company that produces the, the alcoholic product, um, it, it's unmatched. I know that sometimes I try to, you know, everyone who drinks wine tries to match their nice red wine or white wine with whatever they're eating. But when you actually go to an event with the folks who created the beverage, it's just, you know, it can't be compared to what you try to do at home because it, it, they just do such a great job of knowing what their product pairs with. And so I try to go to beer dinners a couple times a year um, here in Atlanta. And I know they have them all across the country. So uh, definitely give that a shot if you have the opportunity to do so. Um, Firefly this summer introduced some new products um, that are pre-mixed products. Um, they're sweet tea vodka mixed, um, gone ahead and mixed with lemonade. Or they have just a straight vodka they have already mixed with lemonade. You can just buy them much like you can, um, you know, pre-mixed uh, margaritas and uh, they are really really good just beware they're stronger than you might think um, I learned that the hard way <laughs> sitting out by the pool um, I was like wow these are definitely stronger than I was expecting for a premixed product so just a warning for you there um, but I uh, vodka was probably my first favorite alcoholic beverage that I tried um, you know I've grown to love beer more but if you uh, if you like vodka, you should definitely give Firefly a shot. They uh, they provide such a unique flavor, being a sweet tea vodka, that you just you just never would think that it would be as good as it is. And so, if you have the opportunity to find it, um, I would definitely seek it out. They distribute in all 50 states, so no matter where you are here in the United States, you should be able to uh, find it somewhere on your shelves. Um, and my favorite flavor. Um, the original's great. It's so good. You know, can never go wrong with the original product, but the peach is absolutely delicious. It gives just a nice little fruity flavor. Um, a lot of us ladies out there appreciate that more than some of our uh, our, our gentlemen friends. Um, but for them, they can drink the bourbon. Um, they actually um, make the bourbon in Kentucky um, at a distillery in Kentucky, and then they um, then mix it with the sweet tea in South Carolina. So, um, so know that this is actual um, bourbon whiskey, so you don't have to worry about, oh, well, it's not really real because it's not made in Kentucky because everyone knows that real bourbon is made in Kentucky. So you can sleep soundly at night knowing that this was made in Kentucky. Um, and let's see. Um, you can actually follow Firefly on Twitter. Firefly Vodka is their Twitter name. Matthew is uh, the guy who runs that for them. He is absolutely outstanding. He handles all their social media, doing um, Facebook, Twitter. They have a Tumblr page, um, and he just um, he's he he reaches out and he really talks to 
the folks um, that follow him and, um, and and all that on all the social media outlets. So uh, tweet at him. Um, you know, he he does contests every once in a while. Uh, you can win prize packs and just prizes for them. I've won a koozie and a flask and uh, t-shirts and all sorts of stuff. Um, they're always giving things away. Um, and so, you know, if you ever want anything for free, follow Firefly Vodka on Twitter, and I guarantee at some point you will be able to to win one of their one of their um, products. Not the alcohol because they can't ship it to you, but some of their um, t-shirts and, and other exciting things. So you can walk around and sport your favorite product on, on all sorts of um, different items. Um, but I think that's about it. I hope that you uh, enjoyed a little bit of background on Firefly Vodka. Um, if you um, want to read a little bit more, I have some more information on my blog at catholicdrinky.com. Um, feel free to ever ask me questions. Um, shoot me an email through the the website or follow me on Twitter and tweet at me. I, I, people all the time are asking me what they should drink, um, and they send me pictures of what they're currently drinking. And that's probably been my favorite part so far about starting this blog, um, is getting to know a lot of people and what their favorites are and helping them learn and branch out um, in their own worlds as far as what they enjoy um, alcohol-wise. So follow me, interact with me. I just I would love to get to know you. Um, so thanks so much for listening. Um, God bless. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for talking to us about Firefly Vodka. You know, that stuff sounds good. I'm going to have to find that and, uh, and give it a try myself. Very good stuff. And also, I want to, uh, to let you know that uh, the, the Bloody Mary recipe I told you about last week is now online. It's over at catholicfoodie.com slash Bloody Mary. catholicfoodie.com slash Bloody Mary. And, you know, before we go on to our appetizer uh, segment, I have got to tell you some good news, very good news indeed. Uh, we now, the Catholic Foodie now has a, a sponsor, very, very happy, very excited about this because it is our own good friend, Dane Faulkner. That's right, Dane Faulkner of the Divine Office, divineoffice.org, and also over there, divine-office.com where you'll find out, and you just find tons of information there about their, uh, their beautiful, beautiful and recently kind of redesigned uh, iPhone app. The iPhone app, which um, you know I use regularly to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, the Divine Office. And I, I, really, I suggest to you, I highly recommend to you that you go check that out, especially if you want to grow in prayer. This is good stuff, folks, and this is the stuff that goes back in our Christian tradition uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. Matter of fact, it has its roots way back in the Jewish tradition. These are, this is stuff that Jesus himself did when he walked among us. He prayed the Psalms. He, he looked at the, well, what we call today the Old Testament, right? The scriptures, the, the law and the prophets, and, and meditated upon that. And that's what we do in the Liturgy of the Hours. So I recommend you do that. You can go visit uh, the Divine Office folks, wonderful folks over there at divineoffice.org, or you can check out more about that app and why I love it so much by going to catholicfoodie.com slash divineoffice. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. 
Well, you know, uh, folks, we're here at the beach this weekend. Beautiful, beautiful weather. I can't tell you how nice it is. Cool. It was so cool this morning. We went to Mass at St. Thomas by the Sea right down the road. And I tell you what, we were blown away by how many people were out walking or running or biking along that highway. Uh, it was just, we've never seen that many people out there. We kept thinking, is there an event? Is there something going on down here? Why in the world is there so many people on the street? But, you know, the, the, the truth is, it was just so nice. The weather was great. You know, we had about two weeks, three weeks in uh, back home in uh, Covington, Louisiana, where the humidity was just ungodly. It was awful. It was terrible. You could not cool down. The house got hot. Everything got hot. Uh, you go out into the car and, you know, you sweat to death before you can get the thing started and get the air air conditioning going. And the air conditioning could hardly keep up with the heat. So it's just crazy stuff, you know. Uh, so to have the weather this nice right now with like zero, just about zero humidity is fabulous. It is just so nice. So anyway, uh, as I said, we're, we're here in Florida and we came down on Friday. We drove, made that drive. You know, we were a little bit late getting here. And if you ask Char, she'll tell you that it's all my fault. <laughs> and I, it was, pretty much. It was. I mean, I think that there are things that we could have done differently to leave earlier. And, of course, you know, I, I do take, I do take uh, blame for that. But anyway, we left a little bit late. And, you know, we hit so much traffic. Normally, this is like a three-hour drive, okay? Three hours. Guess how long it took us to get here? Four and a half hours. Or a little over four and a half hours. And uh, Why? Well, they had some road construction going on on the interstate, and one of the biggest problems, there was an RV that ran off the interstate. It was in the, 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 the middle ground, right? Uh, it didn't topple over, which I was really surprised, but guess what? Everybody, they just, you know, rubbernecking. They're just passing by, going slow, wanting to see, wow, check this out, RV in the grass. You know, what happened? Crazy. And, you know, cops were out there and everything else, but... It was, um, it was bumper to bumper, sometimes a complete stop on the interstate for what seemed like an eternity. So we finally made it and, you know, after the kids, kids in the backseat saying, how much longer? How much longer? When are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? I'm hungry. It was just nonstop with that. So by the time we did get here, we were uh, at our wit's end. You know, your nerves are fried. You've been dealing with the kids. I mean, of course, you would have liked, we would have liked to have been here a lot earlier too. But in addition to that, you've got the kids dealing with the kids and they're upset. And, you know, we want to see our cousins and, and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we finally made it and had a glass of wine because, you know, your nerves are shot and, and it just helps you to kind of calm down, relax. Very nice. Uh, and it was so good because guess what? We got here and who was here waiting we had family. It was, it was a, a lot of family. Uh, Charles' brother, Norman, his wife, Elizabeth, their children were here. Of course, you know, T and Daddy-O, Mama T and Daddy-O were here waiting on us. That's Charles' mom and dad. That's what my kids, uh, that's what the, the grandkids call them, uh, T and Daddy-O. And also Charles' um, uh, godmother, Nanan, and her husband were uh, down here as well. So just a big group of people, big party. And every night we've been getting together and cooking. And that's what I want to talk to you about right here, right now in our appetizer section segment. Uh, the food, the food. You know, Mama T, who's standing right over here in the kitchen, which is 
like the place where she is, you know, that's, that's the place where she shines, you know, uh, she is an excellent, excellent cook. And I am um, envious of her and her natural abilities. You know, I, I, I struggle along. Matter of fact, I steal as many of her recipes as I can, which is kind of a strange thing to say because she doesn't really have recipes. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like a, a maestro sitting at the piano. They just play, and they play from their heart. That's how she cooks, and it's wonderful. Very inspirational for me. Char has some of that, that magic and her too, and that's uh, it's, that's why our house is very exciting when it comes to cooking and, and eating, and probably has a lot to do with why we have something called the Catholic Foodie as well. Uh, but I want to tell you, a Friday night we got here, and uh, Uncle Rule, this is Nanan's husband, Uncle Rule had gotten some uh, some chicken, some stuffed chickens, and we we he, he prepared those, brought them over to to uh, T and Daddy's condo, and uh, we had the stuffed chicken. I have no idea what it was stuffed with. I have to admit that. Uh, it was stuffed, believe it or not, with stuffing. Isn't that amazing? But it was so good. It had a little kick to it, a little spice, you know, very nice. Um, but we also had, in addition to that, boudin. And I have no idea. I know you, you, know, you may not be from these parts, may not know what boudin is, but I want to tell you all about it. Boudin is kind of like a sausage, first of all. And, uh, you know, it's very Cajun now, you know, very Cajun. And a matter of fact, I'm going to pull this up right here and see if I can get you a really good definition of, of boudin. All right, boudin can be, uh, or it's a number of different types of sausages, actually, and it could be used in French, Belgian, German, French, Canadian, Creole, and Cajun cuisine. Uh, they got different types. You got boudin blanc, which is a white sausage made of pork without the blood, pork liver, heart meat, typically included in Cajun versions, the sausage is made from a pork rice dressing. That's right. You've got like um, rice in there. So it's like a dirty rice, uh, which is stuffed into pork casings. Uh, the rice is always used in a uh, rice is always used in Cajun cuisine, whereas the French and the Belgian version typically uses milk, which I've never had that. I've only had the Cajun uh, and is therefore more delicate than the Cajun variety. So boudin, very good, very good. Now you got a boudin noir too, and that noir is dark hued. It's a it's a blood sausage. Okay, it's got the pork, it's got pig blood, other ingredients. Variants of the boudin uh, noir occur in French, Belgian, Cajun, and Catal Catalan. Hey, that's in right outside of Spain there, right on the edge of Spain. Catalan cuisine. The Catalan version of the boudin noir is called botifarra, botifarra negra. So uh, very interesting there. Uh, boudin is typically very spicy, the Cajun style, very spicy. Uh, it's got that rice in there. And the pork casings, you're basically talking about intestines, okay? So that, that's what it is, folks. I'm not kidding you. That, that's what it is. It's good stuff. So we had some boudin as well. Very, very nice. Now, yesterday, yesterday I had a, a, the, the pleasure of going to a place I talked about, I think, last year, about a year ago, called Joe Patty's. Joe Patty's is a seafood market. This place is like, oh, goodness gracious, it's like the mall of seafood. <laughs> it's just seafood wall-to-wall. You've got all the, and it's all fresh. That's the thing. It's all fresh. Family-owned business. Catholic family, by the way. Been here forever. I can't remember the date it started. I have to reference in the show notes, the last episode where I was actually there and interviewed some folks from Joe Patty's, I'll have to reference that in the show notes, which you can check out over at 
Um, how about we do it? Let's see. CatholicFoodie.com slash uh, beach. How about that? CatholicFoodie.com slash beach. You will find the show notes, and in there I'll, I'll reference the uh, the last episode where I talked about Joe Patty's and visited there. Uh, also, we bought seafood because uh, my brother-in-law, Norman, who is a phenomenal chef, of course, it's in the genes, right? Phenomenal chef. He prepared uh, sushi last night. So we got to eat fresh sushi. We're talking good stuff. Matter of fact, have a couple of different uh, 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 video clips here. Let me see if I can pull one of these up where he's giving me a lesson and uh, preparing sushi rice on one of them and also on sharpening your sushi knife and the difference between a sushi knife and a regular chef's knife. I'm going to pull those up right now and see if, uh, if I can get that for you. hope the audio came out okay. I didn't check this before playing it. Let me see what happens here. No glue holding the rice together. But the rice is broken, which isn't great. But you see how the rice isn't gooey together, it's separate? That's what you want. That's what taking all the starch off does. got to be separate, huh? Yes. And then you just let it rest. Cool down, because you can't serve sushi. But you see how the rice is separate? Even right there, separate. It's not gummy, it's not together. All the uh, starch is off. Cool. Love Slightly it. Al dente. Perfect for sushi, huh? Perfect. That's right. You know, uh, <laughs> I assisted him with that last night, and one of the things that you have to do in the very beginning is you take this uh, big bowl, fill it with ice water. Now I'm talking like cold ice water, and you soak the rice in that. And uh, you've got to kind of stick your hands in there and swirl it around. And what you're doing with that ice bath is you're, you're removing the starch from the rice. And that's, as he was saying just now, it's what makes it uh, uh, kind of sticky, but it's individual um, uh, pieces of rice or grains of rice. So it's not all clumped together. Like normally if you make rice for, I don't know, down here like red beans and rice or something, even like jambalaya or whatever for gumbo, you're going to wind up having rice that's kind of clumped together. That just kind of happens. But with the sushi rice, you take all that starch off, you separate the uh, the individual grains that way. makes it very easy to roll. So he made us uh, some rolls last night. I don't even know if I could tell you all the different fish he had. I know he had tuna and salmon. I'm sure we had some other stuff. Can't remember all the uh, the different kinds. It just it was a lot of people here. We had a lot of fun. Of course, LSU was playing on the TV last night. And guess what? We won. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. So... Uh, <laughs> Lots of fun. I think this is a video where Norman talks to me about the type of knife, uh, the sushi knife, and what makes it different. Let me see if I can pull this up here. All right, so what are we talking about, Norman? Sushi. Sushi means vinegared rice, and so you need vinegar. I like apple cider. Me too. For Winn Dixon.
Now, you know Mary? Well, they can do it, but they gotta do it quick. And you know what? The whole world's gonna hear that. Where's mama? She's coming. And how long you cook it? Just until it's slightly Does all of it. So, like a couple nights. Typically, if, uh, if you're like a hardcore punch it, see, super duper, gotta be super right, you do about your third of your vinegar, you get it hot as can be. Then you add your sugar and your salt. And then once your sugar and salt is dissolving, you add your rest of your vinegar and incorporate it like that. But I don't like a super uh, tight, tight vinegar. That's almost dissolved, and I didn't really kill the vinegar. <gasps> My man! How you doing? How you doing? So, see, I'm not getting into that. I didn't kill the vinegar. That's not long at all. It was like maybe, I don't know, 45, well, about a minute and a half. Yeah. Minute and a half. Yeah. And if you taste it, you can taste it. Very balanced. Oh, I'm gonna add a little more salt. And here we are. We're talking about sushi tonight. Sushi made right here at home. Pretty cool. And it was pretty cool, definitely pretty cool. So that's something that uh, you don't see all the time, and it's done right here at home. Uh, let's see. He also talked to me about uh, how to keep a sushi knife uh, sharpened and also why uh, or, or the difference really between a sushi knife and a regular chef's knife. Yeah, sugar salt. Sure. Yeah. I'm right here. Thank you. 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 Did somebody watch my sushi knife last night off a rule? I'm going to say it out loud. Sharpen one side. Only sharpen one side. So obviously that bevel is going to be facing me, and it's going to be a dull knife because the bevel is facing me. So once you sharpen your knife, then you just have to hone it. Honing is just me straightening the blade. So right there, that's what you're doing. You just now you're putting it straight. Once you hone it, <laughs> and then there you go. So you uh, clean off the uh, 
Shards. That's about as sharp as you get right there. So you can shave. Shave hair. Anyway. And that's it. That's it. Oh, awesome. Then you, you, you wipe the hair off before you. Yeah, you want to you maybe play the hair off before you <laughs> eat sushi. And uh, those, by the way, those sound clips are actually from videos that I took of uh, making sushi rice and sharpening that knife. So they're going to be posted also over there at catholicfoodie.com slash beach. And just a reminder, while you're over there at catholicfoodie.com, don't forget to sign up for the new newsletter, which will be going out about the 20th of this month, about the 20th of September. So go ahead over. It's the first issue, the very first one. This is a new thing, and you are not going to believe the lineup that I have of folks who are going to be contributors are contributing, I guess, contributors to the newsletter. Very exciting stuff. You definitely want to sign up for that. You can go to catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter or just go to catholicfoodie.com, look on the right-hand side of the screen. Right there, you can sign up for that newsletter. Very exciting, and uh, don't waste any time. Go ahead and do that. It's going out on the 20th of this month. You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes are ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, today I'm actually going to serve your salad along with the main the uh, dish, the the entree, you get both of them at the same time, which happens sometimes at home, right? It's just kind of a relaxing, uh, relaxing meal. You're just sitting there with your family, your friends. Uh, you you don't want to go through a whole lot of you know pomp and circumstance. Uh, you you have it together. It's all served together, and that's what's happening right here. Kind of relaxed today. Very simple. We're at the beach after all, and I want to share with you a, a blog post that I came across. Just the other day, it's called the seven or seven inspirational quotes from famous foodies. Now, this blog post was over at um, the Copywriters Kitchen at copywriterskitchen.com. Love this blog. I absolutely love it. Uh, matter of fact, a little friend of mine over there who runs this blog, you're going to have to uh, go check out all the good stuff that Lorraine Thompson is doing over at Copywriters Kitchen. Dot com. I love it. Uh, the, the, the catchphrase here, the tagline for Copywriters Kitchen is fast, frugal, scratch cooking for freelance writers and other busy people. Very good. So she had a post up, and this was from, I think, August 25th, and it's called Novice Chefs Get Cooking with Seven Inspirational Quotes from Famous Foodies. And she, she kind of introduces this. Uh, this article and 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 or this these these uh, quotes she introduces it and makes a few comments of her own, but and you can read it over there at, at copywriterskitchen.com. But I'm going to skip down to these seven inspirational quotes or tips from famous foodies. Remember, uh, one of the things that I do here at the Catholic Foodie is I try to inspire you and encourage you to get back in the kitchen and to cook instead of spending money over at McDonald's and uh, you know all those kinds of places uh, to actually cook. At home, and uh, if you if you've got children, to kind of include them too in the cooking process, so that you can uh, well, just it's fun first of all, 
It's uh, it's frugal too, and uh, it's just really good for the family to cook and to eat together. It bonds you together. It's kind of what family is all about. So anyway, that's why I want to bring these seven inspirational tips or quotes uh, to you from famous foodies. Here's what she says. Uh, here are seven simple tips on cooking from famous foodies to inspire, motivate, and challenge you as you begin your new adventure in cooking. Number one, put your heart and soul into what you cook. Now, this is cool. This is a great quote because I shared this with you a couple of episodes back. Cooking is like love. It should be entered into with abandon or not at all. That comes from Harriet Von Horn, uh, who is an American newspaper columnist and film television critic. So cooking is like love. It should be entered into with abandon or not at all. Uh, Number two, put time and care into your cooking. Enchant, stay beautiful. That's the tip, okay? Put time and care into your cooking is 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 the tip. Here's the quote. Enchant, stay beautiful and graceful, but do this. Eat well. Bring the same consideration to the preparation of your food as you devote to your appearance. Let your dinner be a poem like your dress. That's from Charles-Pierre Monselet, a 19th century French author. Number three, here's the tip. Don't try to make it too fancy. And the quote, make food simple and let things taste of what they are. Uh, Kornansky, dubbed the prince of gastronomy, was the most celebrated writer on gastronomy in France in the 20th century, which I didn't know. That's really cool. All right. Number four, keep in mind why you are cooking. Here's the quote. Food is not about impressing people. It's about making them feel comfortable. That's Ina Garten. Ina Garten, an American author, host of the Food Network program, Barefoot Contessa, and former White House nuclear policy analyst. How do you like that? You go from a nuclear policy analyst to a Food Network chef slash star. That's pretty cool. Number five, ask experts for advice. Here's the quote. If God had intended us to follow recipes, he wouldn't have given us grandmothers. (laughs) I like that one. Linda Henley Smith, author, educator, speaker, and opera singer. Isn't that cool? You get to cook and be an opera singer. I like that. Number six, be patient. Cooking is an art, is the quote. Cooking is an art and patience a virtue. Careful shopping, fresh ingredients, and an unhurried approach are, all, are nearly all you need. There's one more thing, love. Love for food and love for those you invite to your table. With a combination of these things, you can be an artist, not perhaps in the representational style of a Dutch master, but rather more like, uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Gauguin? No, that's not how you pronounce it, and I can't remember how you pronounce it. But it'll be in the show notes, okay? It'll be in the show notes. Uh, the, the naive or Van Gogh, I can pronounce that one, the Impressionist. Uh, plates or pictures of sunshine, tastes of happiness and love. That's from Keith Floyd, a British chef and television personality who hosted numerous cooking shows for the BBC. And number seven, the final one, the final one, except perhaps you might find a bonus here. Uh, number seven, start with the basics and the rest will come. Here's the quote. Once you understand the foundations of cooking, whatever kind you like, whether it's French or Italian or Japanese, 
You really don't need a cookbook anymore. Thomas Keller, an American chef, restaurateur, and cookbook writer. And you know you've heard me say that time and again. Uh, Cookbooks are great for generating ideas. They're really not so great when you have to follow a recipe line by line. Things often don't turn out the way you think that they should. Uh, So it's all about that love of cooking, making it an art. You know, it's just something that that gets in your bones, so to speak, and uh, and it just becomes part of who you are. But it only happens, it only happens by practice. So you got to get in the kitchen and cook. Now, you know, Lorraine here, Lorraine Thompson, copywriterskitchen.com, she gave us a little bonus tip, and I like this. Here's the bonus, okay? Her bonus is boil your onions. And she gives us here a short poem, and it says, This is every cook's opinion, no savory dish without an onion. But lest your kissing should be spoiled, your onions must be fully boiled. And guess who that's from? That's from Jonathan Swift, an Anglo-Irish satirist, essayist, political pamphleteer, poet, and cleric who became dean of St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, Ireland. Very cool. Excellent. Thank you so much, Lorraine, for putting this post together. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm, I'm just so happy I got to share it with, with all the listeners here of The Catholic Foodie. Now, before we move on to the next segment, the Mary or Mary in the Kitchen segment, I want to share with you that recipe for jambalaya that I told you about last week. I never got to it. Well, I'm going to give it to you right now, okay? Well, first of all, you can find this. If you go over to catholicfoodie.com slash jambalaya, you'll find the recipe right there. Uh, but basically, what I talk about is how, uh, you know, uh, uh, jambalaya is a, supposedly a derivative of paella in Spain, right? Paella. And you may wonder, well, how in the world did a Spanish dish get over here to uh, Louisiana? Well, I mean, if you think about it, since uh, 1519, right, the year 1519, there have been 10 flags flown over the state, right? The, 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 the control of Louisiana has changed hands several times. And one of those times, for about a 40-year 40 peri- 40 period, it was in, under the control of Spain. And so Spain had their people here in Louisiana. And, of course, you may, matter of fact, an ironic thing here, but you still have excellent examples of Spanish architecture in, believe it or not, the French Quarter. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Uh, excellent examples of, uh, of Spanish architecture. So it's not surprising that uh, you may have a Spanish influence on the Louisiana cuisine down here, the Cajun cuisine, uh, jambalaya. A couple of things I want to tell you about it. You got two different basic types of jambalaya. First of all, you have a red type, red jambalaya, which is really more Creole than Cajun. And that, that particular jambalaya you're going to find in New Orleans. And it, it is basically sort of stuck there. Not that there's... Not that people outside of New Orleans don't prepare a red jambalaya, but uh, that's kind of where it originates. That's what you're going to find in New Orleans. And what makes it red? Tomatoes make it red. Tomatoes make it red. And in addition to that, um, you typically will have the trinity there in the jambalaya. You've got the onions, the bell peppers, and the, uh, the celery. Also, in New Orleans, they tend to throw in some seafood. You may have shrimp in there. Uh, you have other, other uh, they may throw ham, just regular sliced ham, thick sliced ham into the jambalaya too. Uh, so it's just a different kind of a flavor. The tomatoes really kind of change the flavor of the jambalaya. Now, in Gonzales, Louisiana, which is considered the jambalaya capital of the world, 
right? Gonzalez, Baton Rouge, really pretty much everywhere outside of New Orleans. The standard uh, jambalaya is a brown jambalaya, all right? And that's actually my favorite. It's a brown jambalaya, and there's no tomatoes at all, no tomatoes. Um, sometimes, though, I mean, well, first of all, you know, jambalaya comes from the French and African terms for uh, pork or ham and, and rice. Uh, jambon in French means ham, and then ya or yaya and, and one of the African uh, languages means rice. So you put those together, you got jambalaya. Uh, so in, you may have all these different ingredients in a jambalaya, but you're always going to have pork. Pork will always be there. It's all about pork and rice, and that's what it's going to be. So in a brown jambalaya, you don't have the, uh, the tomatoes. You may, believe it or not, you may or may not have the trinity. I mean, but you, we, we use the trinity down here all the time, okay? We, onions, bell pepper, celery goes in just about everything. Even your eggs for breakfast. Just kidding. So uh, good stuff, though. And you're going to find some uh, smoked sausage or andouille sausage uh, here in, in your, and it's going to be like the major pork thing in the brown jambalaya. You also perhaps will find pork chops, boneless pork chops, thrown in there as well. I like that. It's really good. I've never actually, I've never made a jambalaya with pork chops, but I've, I've had it many, many, many times, and I like it. It's really good. So here are the ingredients, basic ingredients, andouille sausage. Uh, you want to slice that into about quarter-inch slices, maybe a little bit thinner. Uh, you can also use smoked sausage if you don't, if you can't find andouille. And andouille, by the way, is a spicy type of sausage. You need about a pound of boneless chicken thighs. This is my recipe, by the way. So I also, in addition to the pound of boneless chicken thighs, I add a pound of chicken drumsticks, and that's not that many—five or six drumsticks. But I like having the extra that the, the bone in there, especially as that uh, as your liquid starts to boil, it gives a little bit, little bit more flavor. So uh, you have a medium onion or two—I'm sorry, a medium or two small green bell peppers. Love bell peppers chopped. Two ribs of celery chopped. Two medium yellow onions chopped. Six to eight cloves of garlic crushed and chopped. Uh, chicken stock, two cups chicken stock, four cups of water, uh, two and a half, actually three cups of uh, long grain white rice, a bunch of fresh parsley chopped, green onions chopped, uh, eight to ten dashes of Tabasco crystal hot sauce. Crystal I like because it adds a little more tang to it. Uh, one and a half tablespoons of kosher salt, but probably more. you got to do that to taste. Fresh cracked black pepper to taste. Teaspoon of cayenne pepper to taste, Okay. Uh, let's see, you're going to brown your sausage in a pot, large pot. I prefer cast iron. You're going to take the sausage out, uh, throw your chicken in there. You're going to brown that. You kind of want it to stick, though. You want it to stick to the pot because it's going to create a debris. Uh, after you brown that thoroughly, pull it from the pot, and you're going to stick your veggies in there, okay, your onion, bell pepper, celery. Throw that, at, throw that in there, stirring occasionally for... I don't know, four or five minutes, three minutes, three to four minutes. Keep an eye on it. What you want to do is just soften those veggies up. Uh, right before, or, or when you're about ready to put the water in, what I want you to do is, is to scrape the bottom of the pot. Scrape the bottom of the pot, loosen up the debris there, and that's kind of what gives it the brown color. That's one of the things that gives it a brown color, plus it's got that really good flavor it adds to the jambalaya. Then what you, uh, what you do is you're going to add your, your, uh, your chicken uh, stock and water to the pot. Throw the garlic in there, about half that parsley you chopped, and also about half the green onions. You want to add also the hot sauce, the salt, pepper, the cayenne, and uh, cover it. Bring it to a good boil, good rolling boil. 
And once it's uh, boiling, you throw the rice in there, you stir it, you reduce it to about medium-low, and uh, you, you just want it to, to simmer, you know? That's, that's all you want it to do, so about medium-low. Cover it, leave it alone for 20 minutes. Don't open the top, don't do anything. 20 minutes. And 20 minutes, check it. Rice should be done by then. Uh, if it's, if it's uh, too liquidy, though, at that point, leave it uncovered and just keep it on the heat there for a few more minutes. That should take care of it. Before you get ready to serve it, just stir up the entire pot, right? Stir up the entire pot, mix it all up, and then uh, when you put it into your, onto your plate, I like to throw a little bit of that parsley, a little bit of that, those green onions uh, right there on top. And we always keep Tabasco or Crystal Hot Sauce close by because I know, you know, somebody's going to want that good stuff. So that's Good Eats, folks. Good Eats Jambalaya, according to the Catholic Foodie. You can find it over at catholicfoodie.com slash jambalaya. And I'm Ree. And, and this, this is Mary in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> this week finds me reflective in the way that only a week with milestones can. This week, my oldest daughter began kindergarten. By all accounts, kindergarten is a great place to be. She skips out to the bus every day and has a wide smile when she comes home. Every morning finds her eager to get back to school and disappointed that she's only going for half the day. I'm not the kind of mom who cries at these sorts of things. I didn't cry when she got on the bus on Monday, and though I almost teared up when I got her off the bus, I have my two-year-old to thank for a sudden screaming distraction that made me forget my sentimentality. I appreciate, though, what this week signifies in my mothering. I've been reaching out to Mary a lot this week, during the hours when I'm without my five-year-old commentator, and during the hours we spend talking about all the things related to her elsewhere adventures. Parenting is a series of small sorrows, punctuated by large joys. We hold the new baby but we have to grip them firmly when they receive their immunizations. We smile as they join the body of Christ in baptism, but we have to trust that body of Christ to help us in our important catechetical work. We share these children with the world, whether by sending them to school or to sports or to other activities. And we have to correct the inevitable misunderstandings and pains that occur. As I entrust the school system with my daughter, I know that my work is just beginning. My kitchen is going to see a parade of new experiences and, no doubt, many more prayers. I can't help but think of Mary beside me, nodding along. She has been where I am, and she stands beside me, ready to guide me in how to say yes to God on my own path, with my own children. This week, will you join me in saying a special prayer for those involved in education, from the students of all ages, to the teachers and professors, and the parents? Let's ask Mary to guide all of us closer to her son. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. That was uh, that was right on. Very appropriate. It's uh, amazing. It's amazing how fast kids grow up. First of all, 
And you know, it's one of the greatest responsibilities that parents have to educate their children. Very important. And uh, thank you for bringing Mary into it and helping us to look at her as a, as a model and uh, for inspiration. Thank you very much for that. Oh, and you can find more of Sarah Reinhard over at snoringscholar.com. Snoringscholar.com. Sarah's got some fantastic things over there. Go ahead and check that out. Well, I do have a one piece of feedback I'd like to share with you today. We got an email. I got an email from Mary Ward. You may remember Mary left us a voice message last week, and she came on and talked to us. Um, it, just go back and listen to last episode. Very good stuff. She talked about, you know, I met Mary at the CNMC in Boston. Wonderful lady, and uh, she's got some very keen insights. Anyway, this is really cool. She says, uh, she emailed me the other day. She says, hey, uh, hi, Jeff. Heard your podcast where you played my feedback. Talked about Mama's Place, which is uh, Silver Moon Cafe there in Baton Rouge. Uh, and soul food. It's so strange, you know, getting older, you have to explain soul food because it's old news. <laughs> oh, my God. When I heard you giving the audience the history of soul food, it hit me. But your idea about the restaurant is great. On another note, when I stop being so, uh, that's not something I need to read. Okay, I'm skipping that. That'll be cut out. So anyway, that's true. That's great. Uh, you know, Silver Moon Cafe, wonderful there in uh, in Baton Rouge. And as I said, I mean, I'd love to go there and actually do a show from Silver Moon Cafe. It'd be hot though, you know. There's no AC and all, but uh, and we get to drink lots of iced tea. But uh, but that would be fun. That would be fun. Thank you so much, Mary, for uh, listening to the show. Thank you for writing in, and thank you for that voice feedback again from last week. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm -hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, that's it, folks. We're at the end of the show. I want you uh, to, to I want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, if you want to leave feedback like Mary did last week and Lisa did the week before her, uh, you can leave feedback by calling 985-635-4974. And remember, there's no person, live person, who will answer that. That's just a place to leave a message. And uh, But at least it records it in a format that I could play here on the show, 985-635-4974. Call and, and let me know what's going on in your kitchen. Let me know what's going on in your in your life. If there's a, a question you have or a suggestion, anything you'd like to say to the Catholic Foodie, you can just call 985-635-4974. Or always, always, I'm available by email at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Also, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Go to catholicfoodie.com slash newsletter. Sign up for that. It's going to be launched the first issue sent out in just a couple of weeks. So not a whole lot of time. Go on over there and sign up. Also, I want to send out this general call for recipes. Yeah, I did this before. Uh, it's been a while. been a while since I asked you for recipes. And uh, last time I did, I got several, which was just wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Uh, but I'm, I'm issuing another call here for recipes. If you have a recipe you'd like to share go to catholicfoodie.com slash add recipe and you will, uh, it'll, a form will come up and you can just fill in the form. You get to put your name in there so that you're seen as the author of the recipe and you get to share it with the world right there via uh, catholicfoodie.com. So that would be wonderful. 
uh, catholicfoodie.com slash ad recipe. I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to bring to the table. And uh, that's it, folks. Uh, if you need a, if you need anything else, if you need a, a website or if you have a business and you're looking to see how you can integrate social media into your marketing strategy to, in, to increase your, your visibility, to increase your brand, to increase your revenue, uh, your clientele, then uh, give me a call. You can call me uh, directly at 504-722-8422. That's uh, the business I'm in right now, 504-722-8422. Or you can email me at jeff at jeffyoung.me. And uh, go, over, go over there to jeffyoung.me, and you'll see the list of services, the things that I can do to help you and your business uh, to, to succeed in our new online digital world. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, before I say it, before I say the famous phrase, I have to say thank you once again to Dane Faulkner and all the good folks over there at divineoffice.org, the Divine Office iPhone app, which you'll find at, uh, wait, just go to catholicfoodie.com slash divineoffice. You'll find out uh, more about that and get the direct links to find out about the iPhone app, catholicfoodie.com slash divineoffice. And until next time, bon appetit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.